Hi, thank you for joining me. This is John Newby, John 2028 Apologetics on Lion and Lamb Podcast. This is my 30th episode on my podcast, and I want to thank you all for following and listening. And um, let's just go ahead and get straight to it. So today's podcast is going to be about the article that came out that said NASA paid priests to figure out how to deal with aliens. So they hired, NASA hired 24 theologians and, you know, asking their expertise how they would, how the world would react, how religions would react if uh, they ever found alien life or they revealed alien life, something of that nature. So let's put on a tinfoil hat here a little bit. I'm joking, but uh, I do find this topic interesting because it um, seems to grab a lot of people's curiosity and attention. I grew up uh, always interested in aliens and always thought that it was interesting. I got uh, several videos on my YouTube channel and I've talked about it on my podcast here a couple times and looks like it's bringing its head up out of the sand again. So I'm going to quickly read an article from Futurism.com and it says this. Whether it's angels coming down from heaven or E.T. coming in peace... NASA wants to know how exactly world religions would react if it finds evidence of alien life. That's why the agency funded a program to find out just that. NASA brought together 24 theologians at the Center for Theological Inquiry at Princeton for a year-long program called The Societal Implications of Astrobiology. In 2016, the Times reports, this group the group was tasked with addressing how exactly religious religions would respond to the discovery of alien life. It is a worthwhile task, especially when you consider that billions of people all over the world subscribe to a religion in one form or another. And the question that they're proposing is, how would alien life change their perception of God? How would it impact things like the biblical creation story? Would religions have to change their doctrine? Turns out, not a lot will change, actually. The headline findings are that the inheritance of a range of religious traditions report that they can take the idea in their stride. Reverend Dr. Andrew Davison, an Anglican priest and theologian at the University of Cambridge, who took part in the program, said in a new book about the initiative titled Astrobiology and Christian Doctrine. Davison added that the non-religious community at large tends to overestimate the challenges that religious people would encounter if we ever discovered evidence of alien life. A rabbi and a mom and another Anglican priest also told the New York uh, the Times that Christian Jews and Islamic doctrine would be fine if alien life was discovered. It's delightful that NASA would bring together a group of religious leaders to talk about aliens for a year. However, it is also low-key telling of how confident the agency is about discovering evidence of extraterrestrial life in the near future. Plus, with a brand spanking new James Webb Space Telescope headed to orbit, we're likely to um, finally answer the questions of whether or not life is out there. All right, so here's my stance. Here's my stance on this. Um, I do, if we ever do discover alien life, like complex life, all right, that just proves to me the more evidence of a creator. 
Of course, I believe it's Christ. Colossians says all things were created through him. Um, so I just, that just shows me more evidence of a, of a creator. Like here's an analogy. Like for instance, they found more art from Leonardo da Vinci and Leonardo da Vinci had a certain, uh, style whenever he painted that he would actually smudge the paint with his fingers and we actually have his fingerprint. So we, we found some art. And we identified the artist by the fingerprint. That just proves to me more of the uh, the greatness and the artistry of Leonardo da Vinci. To me, since life can't create itself, since non-living material cannot create life, since life can, can cannot come from non-living material, that just proves to me more of the existence of God. It can't come from nowhere. You also got to think like the universe. Like where did the universe come from? And where did the matter come from? You have to have space for matter to go. And space can only exist to host matter. And so which one came first? That's like a chicken or an egg thing, right? So to me, it's always been pretty self-evident that God exists just by the majesty of the universe. Now you can get in a lot of crazier, uh, I don't want to say crazy, but you can get a lot of more deeper conversations are these, uh, if there are beings out there or creatures out there or aliens out there, are they sinners? Do they need a savior? Stuff like that. Then that's when I feel like you can start getting into some blasphemous conversations. I don't want to, uh, say that Jesus had to die for them as well or went over there and died and rose again for them like I don't even want to go down that road I don't I think that we're putting the uh, cart before the horse here big time but I do want to point out a few things and I mentioned this like I said on some YouTube videos and some uh, podcasts before and I want to keep hammering this point whenever you look at evidence or excuse me whenever you look at People's encounters, how they describe aliens. The way they described aliens and the way that they, it's generally you know, the grays with the big eyes and the almonds eyes. That's generally the type of, um, you know, appearance that, that the people say that they run into. I think it's very interesting that that did not show up, that people didn't start describing an alien to look like that. Until within the last 80 years or so. About a century. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pause this podcast. And I want you to type in this name. And type in the name Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley. I'm going to spell it for you. Just in case. A-L-E-I-S-T-E-R Crowley. C-R-O-W-L-E-Y. And he was like a, a weirdo, Satanist, uh, cult guy that Hollywood was fond over in the you know, late 1800s, early 1900s in that time frame. And he was, did seances and things like this. And he routinely got visited by a being or a creature or demon, in my opinion, named Lamb. L 
L-A-M. L-A-M. Type in Aleister Crowley, L-A-M, Lamb. And you will see this is highly, highly resembling of what people see as grays or something like how people want to, you know, interpret how aliens look today. I think it's interesting that after this, after these seances and whatnot that uh, Crowley was having and meeting with Lamb, that lo and behold, more alien type encounters that people had look like this creature. All right, now this is where it's going to get deep. I've said this before. If you've heard this before, just, um, you know, just listen to me again. But if you've listened to the podcast this first time, let me explain this to you the best I can. All right. So Satan and his demons are the father of lies. They're the, they're deception. They're, they want to fool. Their job is to lead people away from Christ, to get them involved in the occult, to get them involved in... Um, Anything that has nothing to do with Jesus, that's their number one goal. It says he, he stalks you like a lion, especially those who are saved, especially those who know the Lord. You're a primary target. Okay? And if you look at all the past history for thousands of years before the industrial age, before we started the automobile age, okay, within the last hundred and so years. It wouldn't have made sense if an alien, or excuse me, if a demon would have landed or shown himself in this type of appearance to like some guy living in the middle of the woods in the 1300s swinging an axe. Maybe it made more sense to fit their folklore. Maybe there's some truth to that folklore like fairies and vampires and werewolves and things like that. I do not believe those creatures are real. But what I'm saying is, is that I can see that the demons went with the disguise of that time, whatever that time was. You have to fit the time, just like, now spin it. If today a demon or something evil appeared to you and it showed up as a fairy, you're going to, number one, you're not going to believe it. Number two, you're not going to sit there and um, tell a bunch of people about it. It has to go with the time. So as soon as our, the world started advancing and, and uh, the industrials and cars and electricity and planes and everything else, Lo and behold, we start seeing these things. And no longer do people report running into these type of forest creatures of evilness. It's just a theory, all right? Could be completely wrong on this. I don't think I am, but I could be. But I think that my little theory where a demons, how they want to, how they want to appear goes with the times kind of makes sense. All right. So now back to that article. It does say like they're wondering, NASA's wondering how people would handle 
if there was aliens found out there. Now, I'm going to say that the first argument that people like to use... Now, I guess, do I believe in aliens? Ugh. The first argument people like to use, I can't believe this universe would be made all for us. Well, I got something better. Can you believe that the creator of the universe came down in human form and died and rose again for you? The second person of the Trinity, the eternal son? So, obviously, God hold, uh, God loves you and is willing to, God the Father is willing to have his son sacrifice and Jesus gave his life on his own accord for you. If the creator of the universe would do that, then I think it's, it's uh, also reasonable to believe that the universe was just created just for us, to show God's majesty and just for us. Okay, so that argument to me doesn't make any sense. There's just a lot of space. So what? There's also a lot of destruction. There's also a lot of uncontrolled chaos out there. And just by having more planets and more space doesn't automatically determine it. You're going to get life. You still have to have a creator. You can have a million kitchens. You're not going to have and throw hand grenades in all million kitchens and all of a sudden a cake's going to be made because energy was just released. You have to have a baker. A baker's got to go in there and make it. You can have all the you can have more and more uh kitchens. It doesn't matter. You get what I'm saying? So you can find all these planets and all these stars and how they're in the halo circumference where you know it's more uh it fits the earth's rotation around a star. So I guess it's they're trying to say that there's a better chance of having life. Yeah, okay. You can have a um, dough and uh, an oven in the kitchen, throw grenades in there, or, or just wait for it to happen. It doesn't mean the cake's going to make itself. And we're trillions of time more complex than a cake. Doesn't matter how many kitchens and, and grenades you have. Matter of fact, the more uncontrolled chaos, the more uncontrolled energy, the unharnessed energy, the more destruction and the more... Second law of thermodynamics kick in, which is it breaks things down. Okay? So, number two, would it affect you? I mean, I wouldn't affect me at all. I actually think it might be reasonable to believe that there is some type of creature that was human-like that mated with earth women. Now, let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. I'm going to read through you to, I'm going to read to you the ESV version. Okay, and this is, we'll start with verse, or uh, chapter 6, excuse me. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. So this is an angel type creature. The sons of God. And they took as their wives any they chose. So first of all, let's unpack that real quick. And they took as their wives any they chose. So to me, that sounds like something that is more superior, maybe physically, mentally, than a human man because they could just take any woman that they chose 
any earth woman. Okay? Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So, first it describes a the sons of God laying with human women. Then the children that came from the daughters, the, the daughters of man, they bore children of them. These were, so then they produced a human. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Some people believe this to be giants or like a, a Goliath, something like that. Maybe the old, uh, maybe the old uh, mythologies, Greek mythologies about titans and things. Maybe it could, maybe some of it could be truth to some of it. I don't know. But what we do have here is a physical being, a physical creature who is able to produce life with a human, with a woman. So it's not just like a, a spirit floating around. So I don't know. Let's look up the Hebrew word for Nephilim. Now, when you type in the Hebrew word for Nephilim on Google or something, a search engine, it gives you all these different articles about how, what they think it is. So it's important to always go to the strong coordinates, strong concordance. Okay. So Nephilim, it's strong coordinates, 5303. That's the number and strong coordinates. All right. So it means... Nephilim, giants, name of two peoples, one before the flood and one after the flood. Part of speech, noun, masculine, transliteration, Nephilim, Nephil, definition, giants. Okay. It's used three times in the, uh, in the Bible. We got Genesis 6, 4, Numbers 13, 33. And numbers, yeah, uh, numbers 13, 33 twice. Okay, all right. Let's see here. Strong exhaustive concordance, so a deeper mating giant or nephil from nephal, properly a feller, bully or tyrant, giant, nephal. I mean, I don't know. What we do know, though, is that God's word tells us that this being laid with human women and produced great men of old, men of renown. That's what we know. So, is that, are these what aliens are? And they're just swinging back around, waiting for the by their time, because the second coming of Christ. And I do believe is uh, is coming. I don't know. 
But what I do know is that the Bible does say that it will be like the, the days of Noah and the end times. In the days of Noah, this stuff was going on. We also got scientists trying to clone, make robots that have some type of facial expressions. I don't know if y'all have seen that. I'm not even going to dive into that. It's some weird stuff. Cloning and, and mixing uh, genetic code and DNA with other animals. There's some wild times going on. And think about it. We went from riding horses for thousands of years to landing on the moon. We went from shooting a bow and arrow for thousands of years within the last 100 years uh, having nuclear weapons. We went from, um, you know, non-flight to being able to fly around the world, no problem. Car, you know, horses of cars and I mean, email and internet and phones and everything. Look how drastic the world's changed within the last hundred or so years. So why is all this all of a sudden happening? Why is it all of a sudden happening that all of a sudden that we just got this big boom of, of uh, technology? It's very interesting, huh? Didn't God say he uh, that one of the signs is that the whole world will know him? What better way to get the whole world to know him than through technology? So, I do think it's interesting that NASA uh, talked to some theologians and they did a study on it. And I don't think that it should ruin your faith if there are, we ever do find other life out there. Because just because we find other life, though, it could mean something, right? Because it sounds like in Genesis there was other life before. What else was it? Fallen angels? Okay, so okay, so let's let's break this down some more. So the fallen angels, right? They don't live in heaven, right? Obviously. They don't live in hell yet, right? Christ has not cast them down there yet. Right? So where are they? And they have a physical body. So where are they? Are they on the dark side of the moon? Are they in uh, on Antarctica? Are they on a different planet? Who knows? But the Bible does tell us that those things do exist. And I'll tell you, if someone who has... I grew up obsessed with aliens. Gulf Breeze is a small town near where I'm from. In North Florida, and it was a hot spot in the 80s and 90s. All right, and I watched all those shows growing up. The guy with his hair sticks up crazy, all the ancient astronaut theorists, and all that other stuff. And it's it's always something that's piqued my interest. But if you listen to sometimes these people's encounters, they 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 do say that they feel like they're around something evil. It's not just being scared. Evil as well. And there are stories where Christians have cast them out. You know, like I said, I'm not trying to go down like a tinfoil hat here with you. I'm just talking to you openly, all right? <laughs> I'm trying not to sound crazy. 
let's just uh it's just a uh, a mental experiment here all right tell me what you think send me an email or go on my channel send me a message or go on my instagram and send me a message john 2020 apologetics on instagram Send me an email, newbie5593 at gmail.com. All right, I, I do tell you this, this world's getting weird. This world's getting weird. And the church has stood up before, and the church is going to stand up again. We will prevail. Thank you for listening. God bless you in Jesus' name.